0: Hey, let's start off with some good news. We had a baptism this past week on Thursday back here in the pond. That's right behind our church, David Onagarua. So let's watch that video together. All right. David is right over here. He's here today with his son in this service. So congratulations, David. Really appreciate you and love you. So now we have two options. If you don't want to hang ten over here in the Atlantic Ocean, we can go right back here and fight off the gators. No problem. We can do a baptism. Comedian Bob Smiley suggested that churches would grow faster if we would simply market the greatest strength that the church has, and that is the church nursery. He says, you know, all you have to do really is you got to go up and door knock on homes that have a lot of children. And you can tell which homes these are because they have a bunch of broken toys in the front yard and you hear yelling coming from inside the house. He said, just go up there and knock on the door. Twenty minutes later when the mother is finally able to answer the door, all you got to do is say, hey, this Sunday if you come to our church, somebody else will watch your children for two hours for free. He says, you know what she's going to say, hallelujah, praise Jesus. If I get baptized, will you take them right now? (laughs) So happy Mother's Day, enjoy the free nursery, and we got a carnation for you when you leave today as well. I think that Mother's Day is a good day to launch our current sermon series, Family Matters, Love Matters, because mothers are known for love. And this is a series about love. We're going to be talking about love as a way to have success in the family. And there, there's no definition of success that works without love. Our primary passage is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. In that passage, Paul lists a number of the attributes of true biblical love. And each one of those attributes is going to be the core of one of our seven sermons. They are patience, humility, honesty, forgiveness, courtesy, generosity, and kindness. We'll focus on each one of those in the message. Now, I, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Oh, thank goodness. Well, we really need, I know somebody, I know somebody who really needs to hear this sermon series. You now, cue the elbows and the side eyes. And that may be true. Bring that person. But we're going to do the best we can to focus on the man in the mirror and the woman in the mirror. Make the applications to ourselves. But what I want to do today is kind of set the table for the sermon series. We want to keep everything in context. That's good biblical teaching is keep things in context. There's a context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, and that is the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth, one of the metaphors or analogies in the Bible for a church is a family. The church is a family. This was a very dysfunctional family. And so Paul says what you need is love. So if you've got one of those highly functional families where everybody gets along and nobody argues and you married your soulmate and, you know, you just have a wonderful blue skies and rainbows, you should be up here talking instead of me. But if you have a little bit of dysfunction in the family, this might be applicable to you. By the way, everybody's got a family. Everybody has a family. It may be the traditional family with a husband and a wife and 2.5 children. You might be a tink. You ever heard of that? T-I-N-C? Two incomes, no children. That might be you we might be empty nesters, It might be singles. Maybe you're engaged. If you're engaged, this sermon series will be your premarital counseling. maybe we've outgrown. Maybe we've outlived everybody else in our biological family. Well, this, your church is your family. There's a way to apply what we're going to be talking about in this series. But again, today, let's just set the context. Let's just set the table today for the rest of these messages. And so look at what Paul is saying and an overview of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says three things about love. Number one, love endears. It's love that endears. Verses 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor. And even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, Paul is saying here, he's saying something about the medium being the message. It's not just what we do, how we exercise our gifts. It's whether we do that in love. Now, understand that the Corinthian church was founded by the apostle Paul. He started the church. He's an apostle. He had laid hands on many people in that church. In the New Testament age, that's how the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit were passed on. If I were an apostle and I laid hands on you, I could give you the ability to speak in tongues or to prophesy or to perform a miracle or to miraculously heal someone else. So there were people there who had those miraculous gifts. The problem was they were showing them off. They were they were, they were show-off gifts. You had somebody, for instance, who could speak in tongues, a language they had not previously studied. Maybe I have that. I'm up here speaking in Mandarin Chinese. Probably very few of us here would be able to understand, but I go on and on and on because I don't care. It's all about me. Look at me. Look at me, what I can do. Or if I prophesy, look at me. I can prophesy. Look at me. I can heal people. I can perform miracles. Or the best, I've got the gift of knowledge. Let me share with you my knowledge. You know, in preaching class back in Bible college, our professor told us, he said, don't ever use the Greek or the Hebrew when you're preaching. He says, that's just showing off. You say, well, Steve, I, I've heard you use the Greek and the Hebrew. That's right. I was showing off. But that, that's what they were doing. They were just showing off. It was all about them. What's your, what's your gift? Oh, I got the gift of service. You to say, all right, head over there to the nursery. Back to me, everybody, back to me. And that's what they were doing. It was all about being showy. The apostle Paul says that doesn't endear you to anyone. That's not where one's significance comes from, either in the family of God or in the church family. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, about his ministry. He says, we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. Paul had more gifts than anybody. He could speak in tongues. He could prophesy. He could perform miracles. He could raise the dead. But he said what was most important is, was our love for you as we ministered to you. Think about, think about the number of meals that we've all had. People have served us meals. You go through a drive-thru, you get a meal. You go to a restaurant, someone's serving you a meal. You go over here to Taco Dive and here comes a waitress or a waiter, and they're they're giving you a meal. That's fine. They're serving you, but they they have no real significance. You don't know their names. They don't know your name over there at Taco Dive. They don't know who you are uh, unless your name is what? (laughs) That's right. Unless your name is Scott Blount. Then, yeah, you know each other's names. You know each other's children. You vacation together. I wish my family was as close as Scott Blount is to taco dive. (laughs) But for most of us, for normal people, you know, that's the way it is. But now think of your your mom. Your mom has served you hundreds of meals, thousands of meals. She cooks it just the way you like it. She knows your favorite dessert. She makes that banana pudding the old-fashioned way, puts the vanilla wafers on the top, bakes it in the oven, serves it to you warm. And then she sits across the table from you as you eat it to watch your expression because she's getting some vicarious return because of how much you love it. What's the difference between mom and Moe's or mom and taco Dive? The difference is love. It's love. She loves you. So in a family, you know, a father or a husband more than just a breadwinner bringing home the paycheck, the big guy who's bringing all the money. He's a beloved husband, beloved father. She's a beloved mother, beloved wife. The kids are more than just farm hands. You know, we, we have them so they can mow the grass and we won't have to. They're valued members of the family, he says, because of love. All right, so it's love that endears. Number two, just the overview here of the chapter. Love accommodates. Love accommodates. Now we come to the the heart of the passage we're going to be using for the next few weeks. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. These are the attributes, the attitudes of love. They make a huge difference. Again, let's keep it in the context. Here in the Corinthian church, and we know this, we know this from the rest of the letter, people were abusing these gifts. Paul even said, if you've got that gift of speaking in tongues, if I'm up here speaking Mandarin Chinese, and there's somebody else who has the gift of interpretation, and they're interpreting what I say so other people can benefit from it, fine. If that interpreter is there. He says if the interpreter is not there, you with the, the gift of speaking in tongues, you sit down and be quiet. But they weren't doing that. They just stood up even though nobody could understand them. They were just going on and on and on. And then there are others who had the gift of prophecy. Now know, that's just basically preaching. And you work in a few secrets of some of the people that are listening, the gift of prophecy. So you're preaching. Preacher's going on. He's prophesying on and on and on. Meanwhile, there's people over here who also have the gift of prophecy waiting their turn to come up on stage and do some teaching. Steve. Will you yield the stage? No, I will not yield the stage. I'm not done yet. The Spirit is really moving. I can't control it. The Spirit, He just keeps coming. And Paul says, no, no, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You sit down. Let somebody else take a turn. But they weren't doing it. It was all about them. That's why I say, I use the word accommodation. They weren't accommodating one another in the church. To accommodate is to be willing to make a change, to maybe restrict oneself, or to make a sacrifice or a compromise for the benefit of another person. I mean, that's what he's saying here, going back to these verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind with with other people. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude toward other people. It doesn't demand its way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged by other people. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out for other people. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Bob Russell uh, wrote a book called When God Builds a Church, and he writes, If pride and stubbornness are the greatest threats to harmony, then humility and flexibility are the greatest ways to maintain peace. If you're going to demand that you always get your way and then nothing ever changes, then you will be miserable and make everyone around you miserable. He says, be flexible. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. We flex and we change. Everything, we got to change all the time. Everything is always changing. The complexity of the church changes, so we have to change of family changes. Our body is not the same as it was a year ago. It's not the same as it was yesterday. That might be good, might be bad. But we have to make changes and accommodations. In 1836, Marcus and Narcissa Whitman traveled west from New York to southeast Washington state as missionaries to the Cayuse Indians. There they are, that's the Whitmans. However, the Whitmans made little effort to accommodate the Cayuse For instance, the Cayuse were into hospitality. The Whitmans would never have anybody into their home, wouldn't let them in their home. The the Cayuse had this tradition of gift exchange, and the Whitmans viewed that as some kind of extortion. They wouldn't give gifts to anybody. And then after 11 years of ministering in that way to the Cayuse, the Cayuse murdered the Whitmans and burned down their house. Now, I'm no expert, but I would say that's not a very successful ministry. By the way, if you have a problem with me, send me an anonymous email. That's fine. No need to resort to murder or burning down one's house. But the point being, love accommodates. Love accommodates. Love changes. And then the third thing, final thing here, surveying this chapter, is that love matures. Love matures. Just verse 11. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the childish ways behind me. You know, sometimes we got to grow up. we got to grow up. And love causes us to grow up. We need that in our families, church family, families of origin, our biological families. There's been a lot of references to the inner child over the last few years. You ever heard of that, getting in touch with your inner child? Let me give you some of the titles of books recently written about the inner child. Healing your inner child. Loving your inner child, cleansing your inner child, soothing your inner child, feeding your inner child, embracing your inner child. There's even an inner child essential oil. And I was thinking about the inner child. I was thinking about Paul. If Paul were to write a book today on the inner child, I think he might title it, speculation, but I think he might title it, title it, spanking your inner child. Some of these people in Corinth did not get enough spankings when they were growing up. Proverbs 22.15, Solomon writes, A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. There's a difference between being childlike and childish. Jesus commended childlikeness, but he condemned childishness. You know, childlike. We like those childlike qualities of humility and, and love and gentleness and acceptance. And then they turn to. And then, then you're, now you're dealing with the childishness. Anybody read Lord of the Flies when you're in high school? Is that a sign to you? There's, this, there, there's a bunch of kids that are boys that are plane wrecked on a deserted island. And as it starts off, they all they, everybody's getting along, and they delegate the responsibilities, and they have a benevolent leader. And then the trappings of civilization begin to, to fall away, and they, they break up into tribes, and they go to war with each other. A very dark novel. And so the Lord of the Flies, that's what's going on here in Corinth. Like our slogan is love God, love people, serve others. The slogan at Corinth would have been something like, if you want to fight, come here to First Christian Church of Corinth. I reworded the the heart of the passage in the chapter. Instead of uh, love is patient and kind, childishness is impatient and unkind. It's jealous and boastful and proud and rude. Childishness demands its own way, it's irritable. It keeps a record of being wrong. Childishness isn't fair and is often dishonest. It gives up, it loses faith. It abandons hope and it quits. Hey, in the classic movie, Dumb and Dumber, the two protagonists are young men who who have the mentality and the personality of naughty children. And in the clip that I'm going to show you, there's they pick up a hitchhiker, and uh, and then so we're going to look at that and come back. I want to make a point. Now, I picture the Apostle Paul as the guy in the middle in this Corinthian church, and all these Christians are bickering with each other, and he's just like, we all need to grow up here. What does it mean to mature and to grow up? When I was a kid, around junior high school, I don't think it's that way anymore, but maybe you went through this. When somebody, I was 10, 12, 13 years old, if somebody would refer to us as a boy, we like to say, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. Say so we're 11, 12 years old. I'm not a boy, I'm a man. I, remember I was in junior high class at church one year, and somebody said something like that. I said, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. And one of our elders was a sponsor in the class, and his name was Pete Peters, and he looked at me and said, Steve, do you know what the difference is between a boy and a man? And of course, I had no clue what the difference was. And he said, I'll tell you in one word, he says, the difference is maturity, uh, not maturity, he said, the difference is responsibility. It's responsibility. I think he was right about that. I think that's the gist of what it means to grow up and be mature, is to take ownership of ourselves and to be responsible for ourselves, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, how we interact with other people. Uh, Many people have noted there's a stimulus and then a response. And it's only people who can step in between those two, the stimulus and the response, and choose how we react. We are response-able. We have response-ability. And what we're choosing to do is to be this kind of of a loving person. Kind, patient, caring, not keeping a record of wrongs, forgiving, all of those things. And we might, you know, what we want to do is say, well, she's not treating me that way. Well, that doesn't matter. Or he hit me first. Well, that doesn't matter. Or they're not loving me. They're not being patient with me. And he's not being kind toward me. All right, that may be true, but that doesn't matter. We don't control anyone else in the dynamic of a church or in the dynamic of a family. Now we all want love. It's a beautiful thing when we receive love. But our our best chance at receiving love is to be the kind of person who gives love and gives it indiscriminately and gives it regardless. It's the law of returns. So you reap what you sow. But even if that doesn't happen, even as far as it looks like to us, that's not flowing our way. We're going to be the person who loves, who chooses to love. That's our choice. That's what Paul is calling us to. Jesus did not die on the cross to create a family of whiners, crybabies, and victims. He already had that. They were called the Israelites. If you're reading in the, in the one-year Bible, you're reading the history of Israel, that's what they were. They were whiners, cryberry, crybabies, and victims. But Jesus, in dying on the cross, He shows us a picture of mature love. He owns it. He takes responsibility. He takes the burdens of others and even their sins on his shoulders. He makes the sacrifice. He accommodates for others out of love for someone else. J.M. Barry was six years old when his older brother David died in an ice skating accident two days before his 14th birthday. Barry and his mother thought of David as a forever boy, a boy who would never grow up. 36 years later, Barry wrote a book about. An Ageless Boy Who Never Grew Up. What was the title of that book? Peter Pan. In the play in the book, Peter symbolizes the selfishness of childhood and is portrayed as being forgetful and self-centered. The lost boys and girls of earth will not flourish in families led by forever boys and forever girls who can't bring themselves to put away childish things. We want to invest our things in that which lasts forever. The final verse of the chapter. These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love.